Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen. Today we have Tina Van Steenbergen and James Robolata. Tina is a professional speaker who has a focus on working with women to build relationships with one another, believe in themselves, and take up space at companies, campuses, and organizations around North America. James is a professional speaker, the author of Leading Imperfectly, and is a trained stand-up and improv comedian. He is also a personal coach and hosts Living Imperfectly, Get Out of Your Own Way, a two-day retreat that helps individuals own where they are in their lives, recognize their patterns, and take necessary steps to live more purposeful lives. Tina and James, welcome. Thank you. What up? Hello, everybody. (laughs) So excited to have you today. So a little background on you. You are both professional speakers, as we said before, um, and you're married. We are married to each other. That's important. We're married to each other. It's important detail there. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the story of your relationship. Oh, this is fun. Um, So James and I met... I don't know how many years ago. Um, I was working for a company at the time. We met at a conference because we're both speakers and we spend a lot of time at conferences. I was working for a company at the time that wanted to know who this new James Robolata guy was. Really, we wanted to find out if he was any competition for us. So they sent me to one of James's sessions at a conference to find out if he was any good. And so I walked in and sat in the back row and crossed my arms and was like, okay, let's see. And then he started talking. And then I was like, okay, let's see. (laughs) Because uh, he's so good at his job. And it was, uh, I totally forgot that I was there to spy and was there, ended up being there to learn and have some really cool conversations. So after the session, I went and introduced myself to him. And I didn't have time to talk. So I just gave him my business card and said, okay, I gotta go. I I don't have time to talk right now, but we're going to be friends. (laughs) And then I left. So that's how we met. Oh, that's so cute. So from there, you just, it really hit off. And you mentioned that you're both professional speakers. So that means that you're both on the road a lot. Do you find with that, that it's difficult to keep your connection with each other when you're traveling? I think it's interesting because it, I guess one important factor that is that it's all we've ever known. <clears throat> like our, our relationship started distance. And so, uh, yeah, so it's all we've ever known. And then even in after dating for a year uh, or almost a year, a year, I don't know. Math's hard. Um, and then moving in together, we recognize that, oh, cool, we have the same address, but we're still in a long distance relationship. Uh, and so it actually works out pretty well. Actually, one thing we talk about is that how we enjoy missing each other sometimes. I think it adds a cool level of, of meaning to our relationship. Uh, there are definitely some times where it is complicated. We have a, what we call the 10 day rule. Um, which is uh, after 10 days, it goes from, oh my God, I miss you to where are you? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so we've kind of built in some of those things uh, that we've learned along the way, but yeah. Sounds like a, um, a fun, almost like a fun challenge is kind of what you're saying. It is. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because, you know, that 10 day rule that doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, we have to, you know, migrate home and meet each other at the apartment. Sometimes that 10 day rule, like this, this summer, Tina did a whole bunch of dates in a row. Um, and so she did back to back dates down in Florida. Um, and so I went down to Florida and met her in Gainesville. Her next day was in, uh, the next day she was at Florida State. And so I, we got to spend a few days together in the middle of the month randomly. So 
yeah, it's a fun, it, it is a fun challenge. It's uh, sometimes it allows us to travel more often. And some people who travel for work don't like to travel for fun, but uh, we like to travel for work and for fun. And so it gives us some opportunities to do that, which is really nice. There are times where it stops being a fun challenge and it's just a challenge. Um, and mm-hmm. our schedules are especially crazy. Um, we both work in higher education a lot, right? So August and September are absolutely nuts. February's crazy. April can get crazy. Um, so it's, uh, it ebbs and flows, whether it's a fun challenge or, or just a challenge, but um, we've gotten good at it, I think. So you mentioned that there's some times in your life where things are a lot more busy and a lot more hectic. What are some of the things that you do in those times to kind of acknowledge that and still maintain your connection to each other? That's a good question. I think I never would have said that I wanted to be with a partner that does what I do for a living. I never would have put that on my list of requirements, right? But um, now I'm so grateful that that is our situation because even in the craziest of times, James 100% understands what's going on with me on the road and vice versa because we've lived it. And so there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of understanding. And I think with that comes a lot of patience. Um, Sometimes that means we talk for 15 minutes when I'm in the hallway between classrooms because we're doing an event that day where we're bouncing all over campus. Or it means James has a 10 minute drive from being on campus to go into the restaurant where he's going to go eat with the students. And on that 10 minute drive, that's when we're going to talk because that's all the time we have that evening. So there's a flexibility there that I think makes a really big difference. And the other thing that we try really hard to do, it doesn't work every time, but this is cheesy and adorable, but so are we. Um, We try to fall asleep together every night while we're on the road. And um, that typically is on FaceTime. We FaceTime every night. Wanna, it's important for me to see his face. And then we try to fall asleep while we're there together on FaceTime. And that just makes us feel a little bit closer together, a little bit less like we actually are on opposite sides of the country. That is so sweet. <laughs> uh, this is already the most disgusting episode you've done. Um, so, um, yeah, I think one thing that we got good at the phone early. Mm-hmm. In some ways, in a long distance relationship, you almost get to know each other better, uh, more quickly because all you have, all you can do is talk, right? There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's no other distractions, there's nothing else. Um, and so we developed a depth very quickly and uh, became very adept at, at the phone. It sounds like there's a lot of um, valuing each other's time when you have it, right? Yeah, for sure. I think there's also some nights where, you know, if there is a, a gig that kind of puts you in your head, um, or you just like have the craziest travel day and uh, uh, somebody's elbow is in your side the whole flight. You're just angry and, or whatnot. I think there's also grace there where, uh, you know, there's sometimes where a team is like, okay, I just bought Chipotle. I bought a bottle of bourbon and I'm going to give you a call in an hour. <laughs> and it's like, go ahead, girl. Uh, like totally, totally do that. I think, you know, that's one thing that, I think we have gotten better at is naming what we need. I think in the beginning, you just, I don't know, you feel like you're letting somebody down the whole time and you're like giving somebody a reason to break up with you every time you're like, could we actually do something different than what you want to do? Turns out that's not the case. That's just standing up for yourself in a relationship, which is really healthy. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough is you have to ask for what you need. I think we talk about it a lot in the context of work, but even in relationships, you have to be able to say, this is what I need. And as the other person that relationship acknowledging that and giving that grace as well like you said yeah Yeah. like james says we've gotten better at that that was in the beginning right it was because the time was so valuable and because we understand 
how schedules work. It was like, okay, if we've got time, we're going to be on the phone right now. Um, and even if that was inconvenient for one of us, or we were in a place where we could use some alone time or needed to get some work done, we would still right, just stay on the phone because we thought that's what we were supposed to do, especially early on. And that came from a place of kindness and love, but not from a place of um, articulating. This is like, I really just need a break. I've been talking all day. It's been a long day. I just need, like, I really just need to turn on an episode of Shit's Creek and not, like, not engage in conversation for a minute and being able to do that. And then also having a partner who understands that I'm not being selfish or at least not negatively selfish we got to take care of ourselves out here on the road and in life in general. And so to have somebody who understands what that means and knows that my priority is still talking to him. I just mm-hmm. need those 20 minutes or that hour so that I can better engage with him and more meaningfully. So that, that's a, that's helpful understanding that we have. So in your case, your relationship is romantic, but I'm sure you have relationships that are more friendship based or even your family. So do you experience this experience challenges in maintaining those connections, uh, even when you're traveling or at some distance from your friends and family? Yeah. Yep. (laughs) All of our relationships are long distance, (laughs) not just our marriage, but our friendships are long distance. Our family relationships are long distance. Um, just because the nature of what we do and how crazy our schedule is, there's just those relationships that if we worked eight to five jobs and lived near all of our favorite people that could have some consistency to them, right? Like a we do trivia every night or we're in a bowling league or right, we just come over for dinner once a week. Some of those consistencies don't exist in our world. And so I think uh, we've definitely had to learn to build long distance relationships, all kinds of long distance relationships. Yeah. I think one thing I've noticed is you learn, uh, I think you learn your patterns and you learn your people's patterns in friendships and in family. Uh, like for example, I know that I, I'm the caller in most of my relationships, right? I'm the person who initiates uh, a lot of the conversations. And it's not, uh, ideally, it's not because the other people don't want to talk to me, uh, <laughs> but it's just more, that's kind of the patterns that, that, that we've, that I have established with a lot of individuals. Um, and also with as hectic as our schedule is, one thing we've noticed is that there's a lot of people that are like, well, I just don't know when you're around, so I don't call, or I don't know what's going on, so I don't call. And there's, there's part of that that hurts. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, what what's kinder than being thought of, right? Um, and uh, <clears throat> there's part of that that hurts a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, well, I still know that our friendship matters a lot, and so like, let's take the let's put in the effort to initiate uh, a little bit. I, I even do that with my parents. My, I've called my parents out a number of times, being like, you know, you're allowed to call, like your phone works if you try calling <laughs> me too, right? Like, it's not like a one way thing. <laughs> Like cell phones have really come a long way here. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, uh, they've gotten better. My mom called me last month. Thanks, mom. Shout out to mom. <laughs> Shout out to the moms. Yeah. Well, I think when we make new relationships, I think it's especially complicated because um, trying to explain to people why we can't be around all the time or why we need them to call us, right? So starting some of those new patterns is really hard. I think that's why we're both really grateful for the friends that we've had for a long time who understand the world that we live in. And Mm -hmm. while maybe they don't call as much as either one of us would love when we call, they pick up the phone because they know like, like for one of my patterns is if I'm on a long drive, I'm likely to be on the phone the majority of that drive. Um, And if it's not with James, then I'm going to call my best friend Vince or I'm going to call my sister Sarah. Right. And, um, and the people that know that about us, answer the phone when they can, because they know that we're, we're calling because we've got time and because we do care. So I think the the long-term friendships, uh, it's been easier because they've accepted this about our life. We've been traveling full-time now for 
of six, seven years at least. So um, they've gotten they've gotten really great at that. But the new friendships are hard to start with all of these the lack of patterns. Yeah, it's hard enough to make friends as an adult, <laughs> uh, let alone to make friends that you're like, okay, I'm free Tuesday, March second, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thursday for breakfast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and there's times where you feel like. I mean, one of the worst things to feel in life for me, one of my biggest fears is to be a burden on people. So sometimes it's that emotion that I think I'm causing, um, even though it's not being told to me. It's almost like uh, it's like a perceived judgment that I put on to other people about mm -hmm. me that sometimes stops me from initiating relationships because I'm afraid they won't, I don't know, see the value in a more sporadic connection. Mm -hmm. And I guess as I'm listening to us talk, I'm learning that our romantic long-distance relationship isn't nearly as hard for us as our non-romantic long-distance relationships. I think that's a, an interesting point of when you talk about like romantic ones, there's almost like that expectation of like learning each other's patterns. But with friendships and family, sometimes you just kind of assume, um, mm -hmm. like you're saying, that that perceived judgment to start with a new friendship. And we live in this time now where people are more mobile than ever. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with is that perceived judgment before you start a friendship. Even if you're just you're staying in a city, you still have to like get over that perceived judgment and take the time to know someone. Mm -hmm. Yep. And like my family has like, <laughs> this is dramatic, so stick with me. Um, but my family stopped trying and not in a crappy way, just in like a Tina, like I, we, James and I moved to Minneapolis this summer and my whole family lives here. And my cousins were reaching out like once every couple of weeks or once a month this summer when we first moved, like, Hey, we grab dinner with you and James. We'd really love to see you. And our schedule was just so crazy that the answer was no every single time. And so they just stopped trying <laughs> and not because they wouldn't. And if we were home and had the time and I reached out, they would absolutely go and have dinner with us. Um, but like, when my, my family has a big Super Bowl party every year, and when we told my family we were coming, they were like, what? You're coming? You two are going to be here at the same time? And you're coming to our house? Like, like it was like <laughs> the first time that had ever happened, um, which it's not the first time, but it is certainly a rare occurrence. And they've, um, they haven't stopped trying out of disrespect or judgment, just out of acknowledging that our life is a little insane. And I think, I think, and then to James's point, when new friendships are happening too, it's, it's hard to have that person keep trying and be shot down every time we're on the road. So I think everyone's kind of guilty of that, not trying sort of thing It's you know, you text someone to go out and go to some event with you and you get a no and you're like, well, I'm done. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so the universe is telling me I shouldn't put a bra on today. Okay. Then I guess I'm staying home. Yep. That's a hundred percent of thing. And right. Home has gotten so everything available for us to watch on TV and it's winter time on top of that, right? Like there are plenty of good reasons to just stay on your couch. And I feel like the culture we live in right now is also very much like a not cancel culture in the sense of canceling human beings, but canceling plants. Like it's very much like, a, oh, you think I'm coming out? I'm absolutely not. The thing I committed to six months ago, that's adorable. I'm, I'm definitely not going. Like, the, like all of the Instagram memes that I see are about some version of, thank goodness I get to stay home and not put real pants on um, just because it's more comfortable than going out there and putting yourself out there. Yep. And I'm, I'm here for... I'm here for a little bit of self-love and self-awareness, uh, but I'm not here for people who are taking the easy way out with that. <clears throat> and maybe that's just the extrovert in me also. That's fine. I can own it. Everything's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, I think it's uh, the less we commit to each other as humans, uh, the further apart we get. And I think it's hurting us. 
I feel like there's this feeling in our culture where everyone feels like isolated, alone. We have all of these rises and just these isolation feelings. And part of that is we're in a part of our lives where you're not near your family all the time. You're not near your friends all the time. Like I said earlier, most people are mobile these days. So you don't have that built-in connection and support group. So you have to put in the effort to go find it. Mm-hmm. You do. And it's scary and it's hard. And James and I are both extroverts, um, shockingly enough, but it's still, it's still hard. Uh, like James posted a video earlier this fall because moving to a brand new place. And I had a couple friends here from college, but for the most part, uh, we don't, we did not have friends. Uh, and like I said, we've not been able to spend as much time with my family as uh, one might hope or expect that we could. And so it's been, it has been hard. And and hard to put yourself out there, hard to then follow through and commit, hard to build a friendship from scratch, um, hard to know, like, we have these conversations, like when it was, it was almost like we were starting new romantic relationships. It was like, is it weird if I text them again? Should I wait? Or is it weird if I ask them to hang out again twice in one week? Is that too much? Am I being too clingy? Is this uncomfortable? Am I being weird? Like we're literally like one, like processing out loud as we build this relationship, like in the same way I did when I was in college, wondering like, is it okay if I text him again? Because it, <laughs> like, that's what it felt like, right? Like you don't want to mess it up. Um, and so it's a very self-conscious process sometimes. I think that it matters. I think that it's hard worth pushing through. But I think even for two people who love to be around other people, it's hard. And to James's point, I think it's worthy to acknowledge that it's hard and to take care of ourselves when we can. But we have to push through the hard because we just we need people. Life is not meant to live alone. I like that, that life is not meant to live alone because it's not. We're, humans are social human beings. Even the introvert on this side, you know, is... <laughs> Some days I definitely get the wanting to stay in and not do much, but you do, humans are social beings and you have to make those connections for honestly just taking care of yourself. I feel like that's almost a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. And I also think that connection doesn't have to be uh, in person, That right? That's to get back to the long distance part of our lives. That's a, that's a thing that matters a lot. Like I could have a really great hour long conversation with my best friend in my living room on the phone. Um, and that is still socially engaging with somebody else, right? So don't think it requires that you leave your house every single day and go to a bar or go do something with another human in person. But that's why those those phone conversations are just as meaningful and just as important because it allows us to connect even when we do need to stay in, but we still need humans. That's the phone is a really big part of the way that we connect in general. I think technology is just in such a good place right now where you don't even just have to do voice. You can FaceTime someone or video call them and see them and talk with them. And I think that's a big, like you said, with the distance, it's a big deal to just make that effort. And it doesn't have to be in person. You can maintain those relationships across distance. So is there an element of a relationship, whether it's romantic or non-romantic, that you think is the most important element? Uh, yeah, but Are you ready to answer? I could figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> It is, uh, it is cliche to say that communication is the most important thing, but it's also a very real thing. Mm-hmm. I think learning how, and not just spending time on the phone or physically talking to your person, um, but I just, and I don't know if our relationship is an anomaly in this way or not, um, but I tell James most things. I probably tell James 
all things. Um, and not that is not the takeaway here, that if you're in a romantic relationship, you have to tell your romantic partner every single thing about your life. Um, but we communicate a lot um, about how I'm feeling, about how he's feeling, about what's happening in the day, about what your schedule looks like. James says all the time that, yes, we're apart more often than most people in romantic relationships, but I bet we talk to each other more often than people who even see their partner in the same time frames every single day because we put the effort forth to do that. And and having open communication when things are hard, when things are great, I just that that for me is the thing that I I value the most. One of the things that I value the most about my partnership is that I'm not afraid to talk to him um, or to tell him what I need or how I feel. There's just that the lines of communication are open and it, it takes work to do that. That is not something that just magically happens, but it's something that I feel really grateful for. And then into our friendships, I have taken what I have learned from my partnership with James and our communication styles into my friendships and have been more clear and vocal with my friends about what I need and been more honest and vulnerable with my friends. And sometimes that's meant that friendships haven't lasted um, because sometimes we outgrow one another or our needs change over time. But again, I'd rather be in relationships where I can wholly communicate who I am and how I show up in the world than not. I think that's one of the most important things for me. James, what about you? Yeah, I love that. I think I would take it maybe one layer deeper where, yes, communication is a cliche. Uh, I think it's about communicating how you communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think that's, you know, just talking, as, as Tina mentioned, isn't, isn't necessarily good enough. That's a good start. Um, but I've been in a relationship in the past where, where I wrote a book about authenticity and vulnerability. And turns out I wasn't being that with my partner at the time. Um, and the irony of that is uh, depressing, um, and uh, but it's real, right? And and I hurt that person, um, and and they didn't deserve it. And so I think for uh, for me, communicating about how we communicate is important. I think in general in life, when we look at uh, friendships, when we look at romantic relationships, even when we look at family. Uh, which is maybe one of the hardest places to do it. Um, But also when we talk to strangers, um, the rule of ask before you assume is really powerful. I think, right, if we ask before we assume, that shifts the way we we embrace social justice and diversity. Uh, We ask before we assume, um, then it, it, it doesn't, dive into this world of it opens up the world of unset expectations um, mm-hmm. if we ask before we assume uh, then we also know how to help that person and the way they currently want to be helped mm-hmm. uh, one thing uh, we've told others about is that on my great days when uh, when Tina and I are when she's when she is going through something whether it's uh, sad mad angering frustrating confusing on my best days, I will say, thank you for telling me about that. What do you need from me right now? Do you need a devil's advocate? Do you need someone to push back on you? Do you need someone to fix, fix, help you fix the situation right now? Uh, do you need uh, someone to just be like, damn, that sucks, or you know, like a validation buddy, right, or a hype man? Um, <clears throat> uh, what do you need right now? And I think that's uh, that's super important. I think we, uh, I will speak for most men um, when I say that men are inherently fixers. And so it's like, well, we don't need to talk about emotions because we're just going to fix it. And then we just keep going on with our lives. Um, and, 
Whereas other individuals, um, even other men, sometimes don't know that they need just to be validated for a second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot of power in that question of what do you need from me right now? Ideally said in a non-sassy tone. and then the next layer of that is is i think and i think we're currently getting better at this but the next layer of that is not needing to be asked like not needing Mm -hmm. james to be like tina what do you need for me right now is me to be able to name it without that right for me to be able to Mm say i'm gonna tell you about this thing i just need you to listen and be in my corner right now because i'm really mad and i just need somebody to validate how mad I am, or um, I really I'm having this problem that I don't I don't know how to communicate this to this human, and I would love for you to help me figure out how to communicate this in an effective way, and and being able to ask for what I need without feeling, and then to the flip side of of being a woman in the world, asking for what we need is not something that we are uh, generally great at um, mm-hmm. because it feels selfish, it feels uncomfortable, it feels disrespectful, it feels like we're asking too much of people. But to get to a place where I can say, here's what I need from you. Um, and knowing that he's receptive to that and wants to know that um, is, is sort of the, the next layer to that. How do we show up for each other with kindness? Let's, if you want to maintain a relationship, even across distance, you have to make sure you're communicating what you need and how. Because if you don't, the other person's not going to know. Yeah. Especially when you're far apart, right? Like I can't see your face all the time. I can't feel the frustration that you have in the room right now. So I need you to teach me about it because I'm not there. And I need you to teach me, right? Like we learned very early on, like we're not texters. Mm -hmm. Like we know couples and friends and humans that can text their humans all day long, every day. Um, That is not either of our gifts. Like we are not, let me just text you constantly throughout the day about what's going on, which is why that phone time is so important to us. Why that FaceTime is so important to us. FaceTime has been a big difference maker because when you're on the phone, it's very easy to start scrolling mm-hmm. um, and just to open other apps. And while you're present, you're not necessarily present because you're doing other things, but we can hear it. And you can hear when somebody's half listening to you, right? Like you can tell when someone is not fully engaged in the conversation. And so that's why FaceTime helps us a lot because when you're looking at the phone, you can't be on the phone. Um, and so we've learned that that is a pattern that we really need. And we've been able to say things like, I really need to see your face right now. Can we do that? Or I have 20 minutes. Can we talk on the phone right now? Just because that's, that's the way that our communication patterns work. So we've gotten to the point in the podcast where we like to ask our guests this one question. So what is your purpose? What is, a, what is our purpose? My purpose? Your purpose? I know um, my purpose, but I'm going to get Drop it on. Kind of one of those things Alpha Games do. We just oh, here we lead go. with purpose. We live with purpose. I'm squirrel squatting right now. He does love the squirrel squat. Um, Okay, what is my purpose? This has been one of my favorite parts about being an Alpha Game Adelta. That word means a lot to me Mm -hmm. um, and has long before my membership started. But that's one of the things that uh, makes me feel very connected to Alpha Game Adelta because I know what my purpose is and I I care a great deal about it. And it sort of guides the rest of the decisions that I make in my life. My purpose in life is to help women feel less alone. I think that there are things in our lives, in our relationships, in our work lives, in our homes, in our in our volunteer capacities. And I think there are places that we feel very isolated. And we have all of these experiences and we are sure that we are the only person who understands what that feels like or who is actively going through it. And because we feel like we're the only person going through it, we just carry around those loads by ourselves. And I know that I've done it. I did it for years. I did it. I I was sure that I was the only person dealing with 
X, Y, or Z. And turns out that's not true. (laughs) Turns out most women um, have experienced things like what I was going through or can empathize at least, um, maybe with a different experience, but with the same emotional empathy. And um, I don't have to do it by myself. I'm not, I don't have to go through life alone. To go back to our point earlier, life is not meant to be lived alone. And uh, I think women have this incredible ability to lift one another up, to love each other meaningfully, and to help each other feel less crazy in a world that makes us feel like we're crazy. So I want to I wanna lower the walls that have been built between women. And I want to get us communicating about the hard things that we deal with by ourselves that we could mm-hmm. deal with so much more easy and so much more lovingly in community. So I want to, I want to help women feel less alone in the world. That's my purpose. What a worthwhile purpose too. Like you said, there feels like a lot of times women are alone in the world and it's great work to help them get rid of those feelings and make meaningful connections. Somebody said to me years ago, one of my mentors said to me, Tina, you need to teach people what you needed to hear or what you need to hear. Um, And that's a lesson that I need to hear. Often. Um, I I needed it when I was 17. I needed it when I was 26. I need it now. I just uh, I think it's a reminder to me, but also feels really purposeful to other women just because I know I know that we're all suffering by ourselves. And I just think life is easier and better and more fun and uh, more full of love when we when we go through life together. Yeah. Yeah. James, do you want to share your purpose? Love that. If you say right now that your purpose is to help women feel less alone in the world. <laughs> help Tina feel less alone in the world. Just to, Tina is my purpose. Oh, okay. Faithful husband. <laughs> you're ridiculous. I mean, please be faithful, but otherwise you're ridiculous. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Um, <laughs> uh, my purpose in the world is to help people get out of their own way. I think a lot of us write a lot of stories about how we are not blank enough, hot enough, smart enough, rich enough, cool enough, successful enough, that we travel enough, that we whatever enough, that we're kind enough, all those kind of things. And uh, when we do that to ourselves, uh, when we do that to ourselves, when we don't think that we are enough, uh, then we start to should on ourselves. And, and then we say, well, I should do this. and I should do that. and should do that. And then it just leads to this really kind of dark shame hole. <laughs> And, uh, and, and it's a place that we have put ourselves in, uh, ourselves. I think that our patterns and our, the way that we go about our lives and how kind we are to ourselves or not, uh, put us in our own way. And when we are, the more in your own way you are, the more stuck you are, uh, the more stuck you are, the less you think you are allowed to get out and get unstuck. Um, so my purpose in life is to help people get out of their own way. And I do that by making people pause. I do that by making people pause and just think for a moment about where they are, what's going on, how are we doing, how did we get here? Uh, because a lot of us are on the hamster wheel of life and we're just kind of going through it. And that's why you hear things like midlife crises, right? Or quarter life crises and things like that, because people's head pop off the pillow after following the rule book of life or the train tracks of life uh, for so long. And then all of a sudden they like wake up and be like, how did I get here? I don't know if this is where I wanted to be. <clears throat> and so uh, by allowing people the space to pause, it allows individuals to either validate their current direction 
or recognizing that at this moment, if they want to, they can start to pivot. And so that is what I try to do for other humans. That's so great because I feel like a lot of times we get on this treadmill of like, what's the next thing I should do? Getting out of your own way, like you said, is such an important thing. And I'm glad you're out there helping people get out of their own way. We're trying out here, Emily. We're trying. (laughs) So for those of our listeners that want more of Tina and James, how do they get in touch with you? What are your plugs? Hey, yeah, come hang out with us. We're a ton of fun. You can find us collectively at our website, which is jamesandtina.co. Um, you can also find us at our individual websites. Mine is Tina Ray Van, R-A-E, tinarayvan.com. Tina Ray Van is also my Instagram account. On Instagram is where I randomly post videos and share um, my theories in the world and create conversations among women about some of those things that we're dealing with alone. So that's a great place to come hang out with me. Um, mostly send me an email, shoot me a text, mm-hmm. send me a DM on Instagram. And let's talk. Love it. Love that. Love that. Yeah. And I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm James T Robo on every social media platform. Also James T Robo.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I'm available for, uh, a number of different things. If you want to talk about uh, what's going on in your life and you're feeling personally stuck, we can do some personal coaching. I also, as, as you mentioned, Emily, I host, mm-hmm. Uh, retreats or events uh, multiple times a year where I get people together to form community uh, around this idea that we can get out of our own way um, and and how can we start to live our lives on purpose. And so those are, those are really powerful. You can learn about all that stuff on my website. And uh, yeah, this has been really awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today and speaking with us on the podcast. I definitely learned a lot and I hope our listeners did too. Thank you for having us. This was really wonderful. So dope. Hey, sisters. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.